0: You're listening to Rebbitz and Adil Everybody out there, how was the last week? Did you manage five days of work? Well, I certainly did. And, gee, it flew fast, as fast as uh, working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, perhaps with a little less pressure. Um, I know for myself that I had to catch up a lot of work from the Yamim Toivim. But we're back into the ordinary days of the year The Mar Cheshvan We had Rosh Chodesh on Shabbat um, Where we celebrated the new month of Cheshvan Cheshvan is called Mar Cheshvan The Bitter Cheshvan Because we live ordinary lives And in our ordinary lives That is really where the test is Where we can take everything that we have gleaned From the month of Tishrei All the inspiration and the various uh, relationships that we built with God, fear and awe and connectedness and uh, intimacy with God. And now we take, we put on our boots and we go on our way as the Apostle says, ladarko. Jacob, Israel goes on its way and we go into the world to make this world a better place. So this is where we make the world a better place on hifm.com and we land up teaching. Torah every single day to all of you who are commuting and listening around in various places. And thank you for the feedback uh, from all of you out there. Sometimes I do feel like I'm giving a uh, a speech to myself, but I'm glad that there are people out there listening. And hey, I always, always welcome comments and uh, questions and anything that you want to say. Remember that the SMS line is three, four five one nine the on air number is oh seven four six five four seven double three five. you can email on air at or you can WhatsApp WhatsApp us on O six two one four eight two three seven four. We are continuing learning the holy book, the book of Tehillim, of Psalms, and we are studying, as we have been for the last eight weeks, going now into our ninth week, chapter 119, the longest chapter, 176 verses, and as you all know by now, hopefully, that... um, uh, these chapters are divided into stanzas of eight verses in each one, and each verse starts with another letter of the alphabet. We are going to be looking into the letter Tet, or Ashkenazi pronunciation, the letter tes, Okay, That is the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it pertains to verses 65 to 72. And as always, we just understand a little bit about what the letter means just generally overall, because once we get to understand that, we get to understand the verses that King David talks about, starting with the letter Tet. So the Maharam Arama, a commentator on Torah, explains that the key word in this series of verses and these Eight verses of Torah beginning with the letter Tet is the word Tov, goodness. We're going to be speaking about good stuff today. What is goodness in terms of a Torah viewpoint? If somebody had to define good, what would you say good is? Maybe you want to estimate that in on three, four, five, one, nine. What to you is good? If you had to define good, what is the ultimate good? Um, that we can experience or that we want in our lifetime, um, King Solomon does have a verse that talks about that which is Tov. Um, he says a very famous one, which we actually use in our davening on Shabbat morning when we are um, when it, when it comes to the bringing and taking back of the Torah. We say Ki lekach Tov natati lachem. Torati Alta Azuvu. tov. I have given you a good possession. Kilekach Tov, a good possession, Natati. Lachem, I have given you Torati Alta Do not forsake my Torah. So when it came to King Solomon, what was Tov in his life? What was good in his life? It was none other than the Torah. Because the Torah is a fantastic possession. It's possession. It is of much worth. And it is good. And the Talmud in Bavakama very interestingly, says that if a person sees the letter Tet tes, in a dream, it is a good omen for him. Why? Because it symbolizes Tov. So uh, maybe what you should do now tonight is maybe meditate on the letter Tet before you fall asleep. <laughs> and hopefully you will see it in a dream. Tov, the letter Tet, if you see it in a dream, it is a good omen for you. And the truth of the matter is, and and, and we know for a fact that the very first time the Torah uses this letter, if you go look at the words starting Bereshit, and you follow the letters, not the verses, not the words, just follow the letters, the first time you will pick up the letter Tet being used in the Torah is, in fact, for the letter Tov, where God sees that it is good on the first day. um God sees the light, by he, um, um, and he says that it is good. And then it was the first day, it was the the evening and the, the, the morning of the first day. So when God, when, when do we use the letter tes? On the, the, the first time that God uses the word Kitov, that he sees that it is good. And the Talmud, furthermore, um, in Shabbos says that the per, any person who fulfills the symbolic lessons of all the letters preceding the letter tet, meaning everything that we have learned, what the aleph, the bet, the gimel, the dalad, the Hay, the vav, the Zion and the Het, the last eight letters, all the things that we have learned, and if we have practice, undoubtedly, we are, we will be blessed with tov, we will be blessed with goodness. And so from a Torah point of view, you can see as overall, Um, Goodness is not about materiality Goodness is not about acquiring The next best pair of shoes um, Around in town Goodness is acquired from Torah That when one comes to the appreciation That we have an incredible possession in our hands That we have a good A good possession in hand um, And that is that is really the the ultimate goodness that we have. Then, in fact, this is where Tov really lies—the appreciation and importance of what is good in our lives. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski, and we are going to begin now by looking into the verses of the letter Tet, the letter Tess, um, which stand for Tov. And you will see that many, many times King David actually uses. The word tov in his verses. I'm actually looking at my Tehillim book right now. And he, he says it four times. Tov li ki uneti, tov torat picha. He says tov ata umetiv and tov tam vadat lamdeni. And sorry, tov asita imabdecha. Five times. One, two, three, four, five of the eight verses Mention the word Tov. So let's look at verse sixty-five. He reads as follows. Tov. He writes as follows. Tov asita im avdecha. You did good with your servant. Hashem kidvarecha. Hashem, you did it according to your words. So. Um, Our rabbis teach us that the word tov designates something in complete accord with its purpose. If you want to make a definition for the word good, according to the rabbis, tov means that something that, that some designated thing is in complete accordance with its purpose, meaning that it fulfills God's spiritual goals for mankind. And. That is when something is used for its good, when we have the proper utilization of everything. So let's take for ourselves, when are we good? We are good when we take all of our God-given talents and our intellectual gifts and we use it to comprehend the ways of God and we behave in the way God wants us to behave. That, according to Torah, is good. And that's why King David says, tof ta, tof avdecha, You did good with your servant, meaning that you, you, you assisted, says King David, you assisted me in using all my gifts and all my talents and all my, my intellectual capacities in order to to serve you properly Hashem kidvarecha you did it according to your word you god are good because you do everything according to what you promise and in terms of king david king god did good when he restored david's throne and kingdom after his enemies dispossessed him, and so King David says, "You kept your word to me, um, and I know." And he tells us in the future, God will keep His promises; He will do good um, on His word. Verse sixty-six reads as follows: He says, "He is actually a, a request." Tuv ta'am v'daat Teach me good reason, good reasoning and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. What is King David saying here? So the Sforna says that King David knew with all his heart that he didn't require any rationalizations. He didn't need anything. You taught me good reasoning. You taught me good knowledge. I know for myself, says King David, for a fact that Torah is true. However, I need you to teach me good reasoning and knowledge so that I can answer the skeptics and those that are shouting at me and those that come against me. I need good reasoning and knowledge so that I am able to explain to them why Torah is good, why Torah is right. Because the essence of a mitzvah performance is to to demonstrate our complete subservience to the will of God. So what David was saying, after a person believes in the commandments with complete innocence and trust, then what one should do is go seek out the auxiliary reasons and purposes for the mitzvahs so that he can gain increased knowledge of God. That really is the concept of Naseh venishma. When one comes to start keeping the, the, the mitzvot, part of it is taking on a complete subservience. If God is telling me to do this, then it's got to be good. It's got to be right. It's got to be moral. It's got to be all of these things, and we don't necessarily need have the the need initially to dissect it, um, but once we start keeping it certainly one um, can take take it apart further and understand the intricacies and the reasons and the whys, and that really is what uh, King David is saying. Teach me good reasoning and and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. I know your commandments already, but now I need further expansion on them so that I can go out to the skeptics, to the heretics, to the non-believers out there and explain it. Now, Rabbi Yerucham Levovitz of Mir actually explained this in a very, very beautiful way. He says there's a word that starts with the letter Tess. With, with the letter, <clears throat> the ninth letter of the alphabet that um, is called ta'am. Ta'am is taste, and it relates to the taste of food. Okay? And he says the following, that ta'am, taste of food, has nothing to do with its nutritional value. We know very, very well, particularly in our modern time, that a child could eat a sweet that tastes oh so delicious. And has absolutely no nutritional value. And vice versa, there could be food that is really full of nutritional value and tastes blah. So, Reb Eurachem Levovitz says the following. A person could live a lifetime and thrive on tasteless food capsules or intravenous feeding. But out of divine kindness and consideration, God introduced taste into the nutrients that sustains these creatures because taste provides us with an incentive to fulfill our nutritional needs. Because if food didn't taste good, what would we do? We might neglect our meals and endanger ourselves. Very nice concept and taking on the fact that taste of food starts with time, but then he takes this marshal, this parable of how food has to taste good in order to entice us to keep the mitzvot, and he says as follows that the same concept applies to our keeping of the mitzvot. Because every commandment is essentially food for the soul. Why? Because it provides spiritual energy. It keeps the spirit healthy. It keeps us close to God. And it really makes no difference which action God commands for any action, any mitzvah which man performs in order to fulfill God's will provides spiritual enrichment. So on one level, all the mitzvot are the same. They're just different ways to connect to God. And it doesn't matter if you give tzedakah or you light Shabbat candles. It doesn't matter if you are um, visiting the sick or you're keeping Shabbat. All of them are just opportunities to connect to God. And each one of them, irrespective of how you are doing them, gives us that spiritual nourishment. So any physical, any psychological, any social benefit that accrues from the mitzvah does not constitute the essence of the mitzvah. Anything that we accrue, we, we, we feel good or we go visit somebody physically and, and we make them feel better or psychologically we feel better from, a, from an intellectual point of view that we've done it or there's a social benefit to it. All of those external incentives are just there to entice us to partake of the spiritual nourishment that our souls need. And that's why King David says, tov. He, we've translated it as good reasoning and knowledge. Teach me good reasoning and knowledge. But the word tam also means the taste of food. So what was King David basically saying? He was saying that teach me good. Give me the reason for the mitzvahs. Give me the ta'am, meaning give me the taste, because the reasons are merely flavorings which make the essential mitzvahs more attractive and palatable to us. But nevertheless, they are able to open up for us, give us a, a an incentive to keep the mitzvahs. So... We come from two levels. One level is we have to keep mitzvot because every single mitzvah, irrespective of which one it is, is spiritual nourishment to the soul. That's what's tov. That's what's good. But when we get to understand what a mitzvah is all about, then it's the time we get the taste of it. That is like an external stimuli to help us understand and motivate us to keep Torah even better. And that really is a, I think, Quite a, a, a beautiful idea in understanding why King David says, ta'am v'dat. It is good give me the taste, give me the reasoning behind it, teach it to me, because I do believe in your mitzvahs, but when I have taste, as when we have taste in food, we are able to appreciate the food much, much more, and we'll want the food much, much more. Verse 67 reads as follows, Terem eene anishogeg. Before I learned, I erred. So King David understands here that he says, you know what? Before I went into a bait medrash, before I went into a house of study, I was ignorant. I was prone to error. But now that I've learned the truth, I am able to keep your word. And this is something very important for anybody out there, um, that is wanting to keep Uh, Mitzvahs Don't start trying to do The mitzvah out of your own Intellect of your own understanding You could make mistakes Go out and go to find a good Shur and learn about the mitzvah You're trying to fulfill because when you do That you will ensure that you're Keeping it the way God says you should keep it. And that's that's of vital importance. Almost, again, I give this example over and over when one has a washing machine and you go, well, I don't have to read the manual. I'll just press one. This is the on button. This looks like, you know, the, the spin button. I'll just make it up. It could very well be that the machine will work maybe once, maybe twice, maybe ten times. It's far better to go and sit and read the instruction man- manual and understand all the nuances and everything that has to do with the washing machine, because then you will be using it to its full capacity. In order for us to experience the real good, the full good, the intrinsic good, the essential good that the that, that, that Torah does promise us, we need to educate ourselves. And the way we educate ourselves is by learning about the, the mitzvahs. And today there is no excuse. There is enough through Chai through all other mediums, um, social media, there is many, many, many places um, besides the rabbis and rabbisons that that, that 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 give up their time to teach face to face for us to learn about um, Torah and mitzvahs. And uh, that verse, verse sixty seven, finishes. By, by the words, ve'ata, and now, imratra Shamati, now I keep your word. Meaning, after I've asked God, before I learned, I erred, I made a mistake, but now I keep your word. Meaning, I've learned enough about your commandments, God, to appreciate them, and now I keep your word with great enthusiasm. Verse 68 reads as follows, Tov ata umetiv. Lambane chukecha you are good and you do good you're beneficent lambane chukecha teach me your statutes now this is of vital importance because the jewish god the concept of the jewish god is not a god that's evil it's not a god that's out to get you it's not a god that's negative god is good tov you are good tov Atta, you are good god or native and you do do good god does good for everybody all the time why then do you you can ask is there so much negativity in this world um that is part of us having a very very limited view on 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 the circumstances and i always give this example I'll give it again because this is what makes sense in my, my head. If you're a parent and you're taking your child, your little 18 month old, your one year old, who is very, very limited in understanding for their booster injection, for an immunization, they're, they're happy as a lark, they're minding their own business, and, um, before they know it, they get a jab, it stings, it hurts, Their temperature rises, they're miserable, they're painful, and what do they do? They look at their circumstances in the limited vision that they have, and they cry out and say, Why did you do this to me? This hurts. This is sore. This is painful. I feel terrible. Why do I have to be put into such a bad situation if you're a loving mother, loving father? But you as the parent understand in a far greater way what is tov, what is good for your child. And you know categorically without question that giving that injection is going to say, help your kid not, God forbid, get, uh, get polio. And so you will, you will embrace the child and you'll say, yes, I know that it's painful right now. Yes, I know that it's hurting. Yes, I know that it's uncomfortable and horrible, but it's ultimately for your good. So when we look at negativity that is in our lives, we're shouting and screaming about the negativity. We might even go and say, I don't see any point in the negativity. I don't see any point in the bad, the, the bad stuff that's happening to me right now, only and simply because we have a limited knowledge. But if we are the loving parent, and in our case, the loving God that is embracing us and, 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 and assisting us through the 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 corridor of of this world into the next world by giving us obstacles and and um, what seemingly looks bad experiences in our lives. It's only that it's coming from a place of good. So tov ata umetiv, God, you are good in this world, and it's one one us, The midrash actually says tov ata, you are good in this world, umetiv, and you are beneficent in the world to come. Another interpretation is Tov Ata, you were good to our forefathers, or mative and you are beneficent to their children. Tov Ata, you are good even without a request, or native and you are beneficent to those who ask for your help. Tov Ata, you are good because you have given us a good Torah and Mitzvahs, beneficent because you enlighten us with your understanding and appreciation of Torah and Mitzvahs. God is good, period. Across the board, and many, many times when we do go through negative experiences, and we manage to see ourselves out of it, the tide turns. We move up um, in the in, in the circle of life, and we leave behind a bad experience. If you're honest, you'll look back and you'll say, "What happened to me was good because if it had not happened to me, this and this and this wouldn't have happened. Or because that happened, I did X, Y, Z, or A, B, C, and that's a truth right across." um the entire entire spectrum of life. The verse finishes with Lam Dani Chukecha," teach me your statutes, meaning the greatest good Hashem can do for a person is to teach the person the value and the meaning of his Torah because then once we understand that we are we we are A for away and we're able to embrace Torah in a very, very powerful way. There's a common commentator called Hai and he says the most powerful argument in favor of the mitzvot is the very fact that God who commanded them is good and beneficent why because he explains that throughout history you have witnessed countless kindnesses um that from from, from from Hashem, we've we've experienced unbelievable things from the generous generous hands of Hashem, and we can be rest assured that anything that God commands us to do, even if we lack the ability to comprehend it, undoubtedly we must know that it's coming from His quintessential goodness. And when we do that, we actually reveal the goodness in 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 a in a in a very very big way. So we can look back in history, and you can. You know, there's times that how could you ever, ever see the goodness around you when things looked really bad. But if you are truly honest, you will find them. And as I'm saying that a story comes to my mind once many years ago, I was listening to a a lady who uh, survived the Holocaust. She survived Auschwitz and uh, she was giving a talk to a group of people about her experiences in Auschwitz. And they were horrific. No, I'm not going to enumerate. Everybody knows there's there's enough out there to explain how awful and how terrible and how despicable and how etc cetera, etc cetera, that experience is. One person said to her afterwards, "You went through hell. You saw the depravity of of mankind in your face every day. You 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 survived against all odds. How is it that you can turn around today?" And say there is a God. And how is it that you can have a relationship with God today? And she said something very powerful that's always, always stuck with me. She said, how can I say that there was no God? How can I say that God was not with me? Because every single day that I lived in that hell called Auschwitz, God was performing a miracle for me. Be it that I found an extra piece of bread. Be it that I was what looked like by coincidence, in the right place at the right time that I managed to miss whatever it was, the call-up, the gas chamber, the whatever. he said, She said, I could see and feel the hand of God with me every single day. And so if a person who's gone to the to the end of hell in Auschwitz could see that God is good and he does good, she could see it in that depravity, then certainly we can look upon our 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 life circumstances, and have an appreciation that God does good. That God is watching every single measure of the way. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Thinking about buying a new car this October? Well, here's why you should definitely consider Hatfield Motor Group. How does a hundred thousand rand sound? Not discount. Not trade assist. Cold hard cash. Buy a new car from any Hatfield Motor Group dealer during the month of October and you'll automatically be entered into a draw to win 100,000 Rand in cash. Just in time for December holidays. You can view their new stock on vwshowroom.co.za or audishowroom.co.za. T's and C's apply. Well, welcome back. And uh, we're going through the letter T of mm. Chapter one hundred and nineteen, it's verses sixty five to seventy two. We're probably midway through. We're on verse sixty nine that reads as follows Taflu Alai Sheker Zadim, willful sinners piled falsehood on me Ani but I cherished your precepts with all. It seems that with every single letter, King David talks about the negativity that he experienced in his, his life. He calls them by all sorts of names, but in this verse, he calls them willful sinners, meaning that David's enemies were always slandering him. They were calling him a hypocrite. They were claiming his appearance of piety as being fraudulent, that he lacked genuine sincerity and conviction. And all David did was vigorously refute those lies which his enemies always smeared on him. And he said to God, you know full well, God, that I cherish your precepts with all my heart. Um, he really, really suffered unbelievably. And ultimately, ultimately, those people that made David's life a misery Um, Their opinions reflected their narrow minds, and they really continually tried to harass David. And the more they harassed him, the more more they tried to harass him, the more he cleaved to the truth of Torah with intense devotion. Um, And that is what he's saying right now, that this is where it's hard. When you are faced with a negative situation and you walk around with an attitude saying God is good and he knows what he's doing, you are going to get feedback of people going and saying, are oh, you nuts? You call this good? You're, you're mad. It's wrong. Uh, God can't be doing this. This is not a God that's good. You'll get all sorts of things. And in a sense, King David is encouraging us and giving us the, th- the strength, as he did with his um, opposition, to go and, and, and remain strong and say that I cherish, I still cherish your Torah, and I know deep inside that what God is doing for me is good. Verse 70 reads, Tafas kechelev libam. Their heart grew thick as fat. Ani toratcha she ashati. But for me, Torah was my preoccupation. He uses a very interesting word, Tafash, tafash. okay? Um, Tafash kechelev libam. Tafash is fat. Um, the writer goes and says it's hushmen. It's thick with fat. So now Tafash, the word Tafash, fat, Um, has the exact same letters as the word tipesh, a fool. All we're doing is changing the vowels. Tipesh and "tufash," fat and fool are the same things. And uh, we're taught that when somebody is called a tipesh, a fool, it describes a person who has a mental block that renders the mind dull, uncomprehending, gross, insensitive to values and ethics, A tipesh is a person whose heart is swept away with passion for pleasures of the flesh. A tipesh is somebody who smothers his mind and his senses with the thick screen of lust, which makes them oblivious to the truth, okay? And by doing all of that, you remain ignorant of Torah wisdom and you earn the not nice title of tipesh, of fool. Now, here's... So tipesh and tafash, the, the the thickness, the fatness, has the same word, has has the same letters. We can take it even further and say that when we look at the word teva, which is nature, okay, the Hebrew word for the letter teva also starts with the letter tet. And if we divide the word teva, we've got the letter tet and the bet and the aleph, which we can just flip over uh, um, and get the word av, ein vet, not av with an aleph, that means father, ein vet which means fat. So we're taught um, in the Torah that the letter tet stands for materialism. Okay, why? Because if you take the letter tet and you spell out the word tet, it's um, tet, yud, taf, tet. It's the same letter as the word tit, which means clay. Clay, obviously, is a symbol of materialism, of earthliness. So when you have tet and av, when you have materialism and av, which means thick, which means fat, what we are saying is that teva, that nature, is such that it completely hides God. That we live in a world, when we look at nature, we're looking at thick materialism. When we're looking at nature, it's the thick materialistic cover for the divine presence on earth. And so the laws of nature conceal the presence of Hashem in this world. The blind man becomes the the, the blind man or the foolish man. His heart becomes thick with fat. He becomes insensitive to God, and so tafas their hearts grow thick as fat. What's the job of the Jew? Ani I keep Torah as my preoccupation. I hone my senses. I sharpen my wits. I remain totally immersed in Torah. Immersed in Torah. And then King David says, Tov li ki it is good for me that I was afflicted. Okay. So that I might learn your statues. Here is the flip of what we are saying that if God is Tov ata if God is good and he's beneficent, that here King David is saying, I am. Grateful that God afflicted me. Why? Because it gave me the opportunity to learn your Torah. It gave me the opportunity to understand Torah. If we are not challenged in this world, if we do not have obstacles to overcome, then we will never understand what real good is all about. We will not understand how to grow. We will not understand how to stretch. So that, in fact, is really what King David is saying here. Tov li uneti. it's good for me. You are listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski, and we are finishing up um, just the verse of the letter Tet, and uh, we are on verse seventy-two that reads, "Tov li Torah picha, I prefer the Torah of your mouth." Me alfe zahav vakesev, above thousands in gold and silver. As we know, we've spoken about it now that knowledge is great. Okay, as King Solomon says, Hashem gives knowledge, but wisdom and understanding is even greater. Um, And that's what it's all about. You know, there's a parable about a, a little boy who comes home from school and his doting father prepared him a generous portion of food. And the son refuses it, and he says, Father, I want only some of the crumbs that fell from your mouth when you ate. Because the loving son is not hungry for food. He yearns more of his father than anything else. And the crumbs from his father's mouth represent the father himself, and the son wants to incorporate his father into himself. Similarly, King David is saying to us that I do not seek knowledge for its own sake, but I rather want the... Torah. I want the wisdom. The Torah of wisdom is the most precious because it comes from your mouth from all the thousands of gold and silver. Now we know that a Jewish king enjoys a very unique privilege in that he's obligated to write for himself a special Sefer Torah and he must study from it all the days of his life and Rambam teaches in the laws of kings that a king may not gather any extra wealth to enhance his personal glory or appearance, and any money beyond what he needs to pay for his retinue and his army is considered extra, and he must donate that to the treasury of the house of God. Um, and if the king does amass silver and gold for himself, he'll be punished with lashes. And King David is saying here, I prefer the the, the Torah of your mouth. I didn't go and amass, uh, amass gold and silver, and um, I only was appreciative and wanted your words, your Torah, God. And to end, there's a story in the Talmud. It's actually in Avot, in in Perka Avot. It it relates that Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma said, I once was walking on the road when a man met me and he asked, Rabbi, from what place are you? I told him, said Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma, I am from a great city of scholars and scribes. And so this man said to me, Rabbi, would you be willing to live with us in our place? I would then give you one million gold denarii, that was obviously the currency at the time, and precious gems and pearls. And Rabbi Yosef Ben Kisma replied, were you to give me all the silver and the gold and the precious stones and the pearls in the world, I would live nowhere but in a place of Torah. And so as it's written in the by king david in psalms i prefer the torah of your mouth over thousands of gold and silver and not only that but in the hour of man's final departure neither neither silver nor gold nor precious stones nor pearls will accompany me only my torah and my good deeds and it's on that note that i leave this thought with you that what are you gathering in your life? What are you putting emphasis in? What do you believe is good in your life? Because from King David's point of view, and I appreciate his point of view, I certainly try to live there. What is good is the learning of Torah, the fulfillment of mitzvahs. So to everybody out there, have a fabulous, wonderful, and good week. A week that is filled with Torah and mitzvahs. And please God, are keeping Shabbos together over... A million people um, in so many, many, many places keeping Shabbos as one of the mitzvahs that we can form a very, very strong connection to Hashem and a strong connection to one another will bring the ultimate good, the ultimate tov, and that is the arrival of our Messiah, Mashiach Kainu May it happen speedily in our days. Have a wonderful week.